0: This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at missoulachurch.com. Well, again, thank you for being here this morning. I want to... Uh, share with you briefly this morning just something that the Lord continued to lay on my heart where I want to finish up and we've been talking about if you've been with us for all we've been talking about this series on, on Advent and you might be saying well pastor I mean Christmas is over why are we talking about Advent well what I've learned about the meaning of Advent is this is that Advent is the, is the focus on the arrival of Jesus not just when he arrived in the manger but when he arrives in your life today and when he arrives in the second coming of Christ like it is an Advent every day for us because every day we expect Jesus to arrive in our lives. We expect his arrival to be with him. In fact, the word Advent literally just means arrival. It just means arrival. When you hear that term advent well it just simply means arrival and the first couple centuries the first hundred years of the church they they started this this thing with with this idea of advent with this idea of arrival that focused on on the past tense that Jesus arrived in the manger but it also focused on the present the now and it also focused on the future the coming of Jesus and so it was a focus it was a season the whole word of arrival the whole reason of advent was a season to prepare us for what was to come, what is going on now, and what we can, what we can expect. And so it's so important because we, we want to show you, and we want you to get this as we enter into a whole new year, that we truly believe that when Jesus shows up, when Jesus steps on the scene, things change. Like when he steps, when he came 2,000 years ago, wow, things changed. And when he comes into your life, when you allow him into your life today, I believe this, things will change. When Jesus returns, uh, whenever that may be, guess what? Things are going to change for sure. So we talked about the advent, the arrival of hope, that, that Jesus gives us hope. We talked about the arrival of the way that Jesus demonstrates to us the way to live, that you and I are not called to just be fans of Jesus, but we're called to be followers of Jesus. If you were here Christmas Eve, we had amazing Christmas Eve service places. Both services were packed. It was awesome. But we talked about the disruptions and how life sometimes brings disruptions. And yet Jesus is in the midst of those disruptions. And so today I want to close out this Advent, this arrival series talk, and I, I want to talk to you what, as I begin to put pen to paper and I begin to think about it, I'm like, I was impressed by the Holy Spirit. I don't think there's a greater topic for us As we enter into 2024, like, I don't think there's something, there's not a greater thing for us to be more successful as followers of Christ than what we're going to talk about today. It is so important for your life, so important for my life, and we need to experience it. And so, so for us to be successful as we move forward, I want to talk to you about the arrival of peace, the arrival of peace, If there's a word that describes Christians or maybe even non-Christians, it's a word that we like to adorn all over our house. Like I could probably go to 90% of your homes and find something in your house that has the word joy on it. And probably something in your house that has the word peace on it, right? It's normally joy or peace because when you think about Christmas. And when you think about entering into a whole new year, your peace is probably the last thing that you are experiencing right now. I I just have to believe that, right? My wife and I went out the day after Christmas and I'm like, what is going on in Missoula right now? Like there's people everywhere, like go home, you know, let me have the mall, the roads, the restaurants to myself. Okay. Wouldn't that be great? There's nothing, there's nothing peaceful about sometimes where we are right now. Like if you're parents, you're probably like, please get my kids back to school immediately. There's nothing peaceful about that, right? Some of you are like, dude, I need these family, extra family members to leave, okay? It was good a week ago, it's time to go, all right? There's nothing peaceful about that. Get in, get in the Christmas tree down, the decorations put away, right? How about, there's nothing peaceful about, it. we gotta build the bank account back up. Um, nothing peaceful about that. Like we have to return all the things that I didn't want for Christmas and we have to get life back to normal, or we even have to learn how to write 2024 instead of 2023 on everything that we have. You know what? Come on. You know what I'm talking about? And by the way, it's a whole new year. And, and, and what challenges will that whole new year bring for us? Your whole season kicks off this way. And it's, and it's chaos, right? And this season, sometimes for many of us, just really lacks peace. And my question for us as a church today is, how is your peace? How's your peace? So many of us, if, uh, it's not just that the chaos of this past season, these past few weeks that we are a part of, but it's the chaos of the past year that we just walked through. And then on top of that, it's the chaos of the unknown that is to come in 2024. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're walking into this new year and you're looking at your bank account or you're looking at your family dynamics or you're looking at some of the major decisions that you will have to make or, uh, and, and the questions that you'll have to answer about your health, or maybe even you're looking at this year and go, okay, will God even show up in my life in 2024? and there seems to not be peace in your life as you're sitting here this morning, I want to talk to us. Like, how do we experience peace going into this new year? A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that no matter what's going on in Wall Street, is going on in the White House, or what's going on at your home, you can still have peace. I want to show you this in a famous passage that dates back 700 years before Jesus even was born, and it's from the prophet Isaiah, and he spoke these words, and he gave us this advent. He gave us this idea of arrival, a time when, when we were waiting for something to come into the midst of a chaotic world, and in that moment, he gave us this promise of what Jesus would actually be like. And I want to share this scripture to you and it's very famous and you might think, well, hey man, this is a this is a Christmas scripture. Well, absolutely, it's not a Christmas scripture. It's a 365 days of the year scripture. Isaiah 9 says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Like I don't know what, you feel like is going on in your world today. But before I even read the next verse, can I just remind all of us in the room today, can I remind you, God is in control. That's what that scripture reminds us. God is in control. And then it simply goes on and it says, of the greatness of his government, okay, not, not United States government, of his government and peace, and, and peace there will be no end. Now, I love this because it reminds me that you and I haven't reached our limit of peace. Like you and I have not, you know, haven't reached, had too much peace in your life and there's no more to offer you. There is still peace available to your life because what I understand it to his government and to his peace, there is no end. It continues this, this, this word, peace, prince of peace, if you break it down that I read to you, it's, it calls him the prince of peace. And there's actually, there are two different Hebrew words for this prince of peace. The first one is a word, a Hebrew word called sar. And what it simply means when it calls him prince, what it literally means is sar means lord. It means chief. It means general. So it's where we get the word prince and king. And here's what it ultimately means. Here's what sar means to us today. It means this, he is in charge. That should encourage you. It means he is in control. It means his, it's his dominion. It's his place. And then there's this, this second word and it's called peace. And it's a Hebrew word and it simply is translated Shalom. You've probably heard it so many times, but shalom really means rest and contentment. It's a greeting that's used all over the world. But in layman's terms, in our terms, I can tell you what it's really translated so that it can help you understand. Shalom in the Bible is translated for us today in our terms as simply this, chill out. Chill out. I encourage you, right? The next time you're in an argument with your spouse, and things are getting heated, just look at them and say, Shalom. Try it out. See how it works for you. Shalom. So we look at these two words and he, what we're saying about God, what we're saying about Jesus, he is the Sar Shalom. He is the Lord of rest. He is the King of contentment. He is your Prince of peace. He is the Tsar Shalom. And what it's saying to us is there is a kingdom. It is his domain that when God comes into it, when God comes into our life and when he comes into our situation, peace is established in the midst of it. Peace is established where where he is at. Guess what? Peace is there. That's why we believe that peace is not based on what's going on around you. Peace isn't based on, well, things are going good and things are perfect. But that's not what peace is based on. Here's what we know. I wrote down this way. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. Jesus. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. I don't know what chaos you have in your life today or what chaos you might be expecting in the year to come. But when you invite, your, when you submit yourself to the Sar Shalom, the King of Contentment, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Rest, guess what? Peace enters your chaos. Peace in is your chaos. In fact, I wrote down this way. It's a great note, taker, man. You can post it wherever you want. I love it because this is what I said, because everywhere Jesus goes, peace follows. Everywhere Jesus goes, peace follows. It follows you into your workplace. It follows you into your home, into your family, into your doctor's visit, into your, into your, your bank account, into your difficult decisions. If Jesus is involved, there's peace in the midst of it. There's peace in the midst of it. I mean, the Bible says it was his government. In other words, it's saying he's running this whole show. Jesus is running it. God is running the show. And we can be assured that when Jesus is involved in our situations, involved in our lives, peace is there. Now, here's why it matters. Because where there's not peace, where there's not peace in your life, that's probably a place that you've not submitted to the Lord, You find places in your life where you're like, I don't have peace in this situation. I would question you, is that an area of your life that you've actually submitted to God? Because I wrote it down this way, it's really good. Let me say it this way. My level of submission determines my level of peace. Your level of submission will always determine your level of peace. So if where Jesus is and peace always follows wherever Jesus is, where there is no peace, it's probably because Jesus is not in the midst of it. He's not in the midst of your family. He's not in the midst of your decisions. He's not in the midst of how you spend your money or how you deal with your relationships. And because of that, you lack peace. It's probably we haven't submitted that area, that portion of our lives to Jesus. You gotta get this as Christians. God has never promised, we know this, God has never promised us a a pain-free life or a difficulty-free life, but he has told us that in the midst of it, when I am with you, you can have peace. When I'm with you, you can still have peace. How crazy it is that as Christians, like we can say, we can say things like no matter what's going on in our world, it's okay. God's good. In the midst of chaos, God is still good. Like other people might look at you and say, Have you not seen what's going on in the news? Haven't you seen what's going on in the Middle East? And you can look, we can look back and say, I know, but but I have the Sar Shalom in my life. I have the Prince of Peace. In my life. Aren't you? I mean, I heard, are you okay? I heard about the diagnosis that you were given, and you're like, yeah, you know what? The diagnosis is bad, but I have the Lord of peace in my life. And wherever Jesus follows, there's always gonna be peace. Because where God is at, the peace is in the midst of it. So, so it might be chaos everywhere in your life. It may seem like it's chaos everywhere in your life. The report may be bad, but if God is with me, peace always follows. And that is tremendous news as we enter 2024. God is going to be with you in the midst of it. That's why Isaiah goes on to write in Isaiah 26, he says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust In you, keep perfect peace. So we have our trust in Him, and even when our so and when our trust is in Him, in every area of our life, peace allows those areas of our lives to feel fulfilled. Peace allows us to continue to move forward. Peace allows us to continue to have hope. So how do we experience, like how do we experience peace in the midst of a chaotic world? How do we experience peace as we springboard into a whole new calendar flip and with the unexpected that is to come? How do we experience it? And I love this scripture because I, I, I know you and I have read it so many times. And, and I, 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 when I started really looking at it, I, I never really quite made the connections that Isaiah is making here. The connection, I never really saw the connections of the titles that he gives Jesus and the outcome that he is the Prince of Peace. He gives them these titles, these names, and these names are tied to the fact that he is the Prince of Peace. And I never thought of it that way. I mean, look again what it says. For unto us a child is born, right? To us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And then he goes, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let, let me break this down for you with these names that have been given to Jesus, and I hope that it'll help you as you go into this new year ahead. First of all, we understand if we're gonna have peace in our life, we understand this idea of wonderful counselor. As our wonderful counselor, we understand that Jesus guides my life. That Jesus guides my life. In other words, He is good. He is wonderful. How many of you know? I want to encourage you today Jesus is not average. Serving God is not mediocre. Serving God is not just, well, I just put this as on my calendar or something that I do. In fact, the Bible says that He is a wonderful, wonderful counselor. In fact, the word counselor can be translated, it literally means to advise, to consult, to God. In other words, in other, in other words, he's saying to us: In our world today, uh, this can be kind of messed up. But you got to understand, you have a wonderful counselor. How many of you have ever heard? Like I, I see it all the time. Like today, it's very taboo in, in our culture that that um, everyone is considered a coach. Like everywhere you go, like, you know, well, uh, you have a life coach and, and you have a financial coach and you have a health coach and there's coaches everywhere. I remember one time some, some guy comes up to me, uh, I was working at the district office and he said, I'd love to be your coach. Like, I'd love to coach you and, and help you in ministry. And I'm like, well, that sounds great. When I started to learn more about, him, I'm like, well, to find out he's never been successful in ministry. He's never stayed anywhere long. He's fu- terrible at his finances. Why would I want him to be my coach? When I was about 18 or 19, 20, I, I played a little bit of golf, right? Enjoyed it, just goofed around a little bit with my father. And, and then it came time for my internship. I'm in Bible college. And, and I remember the pastors asked me the question on the phone, do you golf? And I'm like, um, y- yes. Like I thought my internship hinged on the right answer to the question, do I golf? So never took a formal lesson in my life, but, but, I, but I finally, so I wasn't that great until finally I, I went to work with someone who was actually a really, really good golfer. And I'm like, hey, would you coach me? Like I wanted to get better. So I says, can you tell me? So, so I'm, I'm with him at a driver range and I remember him saying to me, so tell me what you know. Like he said to me, so tell me what you know. And I'm like, no, like I don't wanna tell you what I know because what I know is not working. Like, I want to know what you know. Like, I want to know what you know. And so I remember, we're so, it's kind of embarrassing. Everybody's watching, but we're taking videos of my swing and like, you should do this. You should do that. You should do that. you know, Change some things around. And so when I started playing after this, this coaching lesson, uh, I, I, I was like, okay, what did he tell me to do? He told me to stand this way, hit this way, do this. There was never a moment where I said, I should just go back to the old way. I should go back to the old way because... I'm sure my way was better. I'm sure, how I was doing it was was much better. You know what? Listen, I listened to the coach, church, Christian Life Center. You have a wonderful counselor. This world is too chaotic, and your purpose is way too great for you to try to figure this thing out alone. You have a wonderful counselor. You don't have to. He's not left us. He's not abandoned us. He's not said, hey, here you go. Just have fun. Try to figure this thing out on your own. The Bible reminds us that he is a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor who can lead you, who can guide you, who can say to you, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't say that. Uh, don't do that. All, the, all those things. In fact, the Bible reminds us, right? John, the, the gospel of John says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He is a wonderful, wonderful counselor. But hear me this morning. It's only good counsel if you listen to him. It's only good counsel if you listen to him. How many times we, we in ministry have people come up to us all the time and like, hey, I'm struggling in this area, in this area. And we'll say, hey, go do this, you know, try this, do that. And they'll come back a week later and I'll say, hey, did you do that? Did you try this, new thing?" And like, no, we didn't do it yet. We didn't follow it yet. And I'm like, then why are you here? Why did I waste my breath? Many marriage couples, you know, they're, they're trying to find a, a healthy marriage and we'll say, hey, would you consider counseling? And, and many times they'll say yes and they'll, they'll do it and we'll work it out for them. And then, and then we'll, they'll come back later and we'll just say things like, hey, did you, d- did you do what they told you to do? Did you listen to the counselor? And they'll be like, no, we didn't really like their advice. I'm like what? Like the way you were doing it, how was that working for you? It happens all the time. There's no point of coming to the wonderful counselor if you're not going to listen and follow the counsel. God's got something to say to our lives in 2024, church, but we have to be willing to listen and to follow. In fact, Matthew, or Jesus says it in Matthew, he says, therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, right? Who who built his house on the rock. Now, that's a great phrase, and I'm sure a lot of times you say, wow, that would look really good on my Facebook account. Uh, I would love to share that with my friends. What wonderful counsel. But how, did, you, did you notice what he said there? Uh, he, he didn't just say, you have to hear it. What did he say you have to do? Put it into practice. That's why we talk about 21 days of prayer and fasting. Have you put it into practice? Like, it's one thing to say, wow, our church is doing 21 days of prayer fast, and fasting. That's really cool. Hey, we do that every year. That's really great. I love that. But do you put it into practice? Because I would just say, we need to put what God is telling us to do into, you want peace in your life? Put into practice the thing God's asked you to do. I I believe this, wisdom is not what you know. Wisdom is what you do. It's what you do. Because a lot of people know the right thing, they just don't do the right thing. In fact, it goes on and Jesus goes on, he talks about, he literally calls them, Foolish. That's what he says. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So I want us to be wise in our lives this year. Like I want us to walk in all the things that God wants us to walk in. But you have to be willing to walk in wisdom. You have to be willing to do things God's way and listen to the wonderful counselor when he leads me and say, I'm gonna go there. And if I, don't know what, uh, if I don't know what to do, then I know I can always go to the wonderful, wonderful counselor. Like there have been moments, I'm sure you all could agree, in my personal life where there are critical decisions that have to be made. There's just no other way that I can make that decision. And I'm so thankful that, that whether it's the truth of God's word or it's the prompting of his Holy Spirit, where God has led my life and I followed So just so we can feel some faith in the room today, how many of you can say, there has been a time in my life where the wonderful counselor has led me? Come on, raise anybody here can say that? Wow, lots of people. Let's go to another moment. How many of you can say, I know what the wonderful counselor was leading me to do, and I didn't do it. Less hands went up. Some really good spiritual people in the room. I've been there. Why? Why? I mean, it's a terrible decision, right? It's it's not the way to go. Why? Because the outcome of not listening to the wonderful counselor is a lack of peace in your life. Just lack of peace. Listen, let's, let's don't fool ourselves, Christian Life Center. We can't expect peace when we are out of step with God. Can't expect it. Like, you do relationships your own way, and you expect peace? That's foolishness. You do money your own way and you don't honor God with your tithe and you expect peace, it's foolishness. Like you respond with anger and malice and gossip and sow discord and you expect peace, we're fooling ourselves. We don't pray and seek God before making those major decisions. You don't pray first and yet you expect peace in your life. That's foolishness. We fool ourselves when we do it our own way instead of the wonderful counselor's way. I wrote down this way. I think it's really good. I think a lack of peace is usually an indicator that I'm living outside of God's plan. Lack of peace is usually an indicator you're probably just living outside of God's plan. We come to the ones of a counselor and we say, hey, what do you want me to do? How do you expect me to live? I'm gonna submit to you the Prince of Peace and I'm gonna watch how God will direct my life in 2024. By the way, I would say that to you, a vast majority of our issues with peace in things in our life that are horizontally, relationships and money and work and all the family and all those things, the vast majority of our issues with things horizontally is because we do not have peace vertically. We don't have peace vertically with God right? And I just believe that if we will fix things vertically, if you will fix things vertically, watch how things will get fixed horizontally. It's amazing how the two go together. Again, Isaiah 9, our scripture this morning says, so he, is, he he's, he's born to us as a child, he's given to us, and we, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So he's a wonderful counselor, but you know what he also is? He's a mighty God. In 2024, I just want to encourage you, can we make a statement as a church this morning? Can we make it a a ground statement? We'll put our foot in the sand and we're going to say, listen, can we decide over our lives that you and I serve a mighty God? A mighty God. In fact, the word can be translated mighty God. The Hebrew word can actually be translated warrior God. He is a warrior God. I wrote down this to number point. If we want peace in our lives, as a warrior, as a mighty God, Jesus defeats the enemy. Listen, this whole mighty God thing, it is literally a battle term. It's not like fake wrestling, WWE, you know, WF type term. This is a military term. This is who Jesus is. However, we're walking into 2024 with this eight pounds, six ounce, baby version Jesus in our life. And we live our lives, and that's the, that's the Jesus we think we follow. And you have to understand, he is a warrior God. He's a warrior God. He is, God that, he is a God that fights our battles. He f- literally fights battles for us. Look what Psalms 24 says. Who is the king of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. That's a different, different picture of the beautiful, long-haired, glowing Jesus that we like. That's a different picture of the passive, soft-spoken Jesus that we like. That's not my Jesus. He is a warrior. He is a mighty God. In fact, Exodus says it this way. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. It's actually in his name. He is a warrior Who who does what? He fights for us. Right? And he doesn't just get to fight the ones you think he should fight, like, would you please fight my neighbor? <laughs> would you please fight my coworker or that family member I don't like? Like, would you just get them, Lord, because attack them? That's not who Jesus fights. How many know it's a spiritual fight that he fights? Familiar scripture, but Ephesians, we have to go there, reminds us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's not my family member. It's not the friend. It's not the coworker. It's the spiritual forces of the dark world that we have a mighty God that fights for us. There's a very real enemy, church. There's a very real enemy. And this year, they're after your, he's after your life. He's after your happiness. He's after your contentment. And he's after your peace. And I want you to understand this, that in 2024, he wants to attack your purpose. He wants to attack your purity. He wants to attack your family. And the reason is because he knows the potential that is ahead of you. He knows the potential that's ahead of our church. And it would be great to come into our church and bring disruption, to come into your life and bring disruption, to come into your life and not offer you peace, If we can understand how real our enemy is, then the result could be, yes, it could be a lot of anxiety in your life. If you understand how real the enemy is, yeah, there's a lot of anxiety tied with that. There's a lot of stress and worry that's tied to that because he is a very real enemy. But there's good news. Despite we have a real enemy, we have a mighty God who came 2000 years ago and he's still with us today fighting the battles for us. Paul says it this way, right? 1 Corinthians 15, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through our good vibes, not through your positive energy, but through your understanding and your submitted life to Jesus Christ, he fights for you. In 2024, God will bring victory into your life. In fact, I wrote this way, So a great thought. Peace is the byproduct of knowing Jesus always wins. Peace is the byproduct of always knowing that Jesus wins. So you may be facing some major battles this year. You may be facing some major decisions this year. Jesus can and Jesus will bring you victory this year. I'm promising you that. This was a huge focus of the church in the very first few centuries. In fact, they called it, they had a term for it in the early church. They called it Christor Victor. Christor Victor, which means Christ our victor. Christ our victor, it refers to the cross and Jesus' triumph over evil, over the evil powers of this world. In fact, there was a great theologian, his name is Michael Byrd, and he put it this way uh, in a book called, the evangelical, uh, called Evangelical Theology. And this is what it says, it'll be on the screen for you, I love it. It says, Satan's force is spent and his worst was no match for the best of the Son of God. The fatal wound of Jesus deals a fatal blow to death. The powers of this present darkness shiver as the luminous tsunami of the kingdom of God draws near, even nearer. These spots of the world live in denial as much as they live in borrowed time. This is Paul's atonement theology. This is the victory of God. He is a mighty God. He brings the victories. He wins it for us spiritually. And anytime you feel like you are overcome and there's no hope and there's no way out, remember this, he's a God who won it 2,000 years ago and he's winning it for you now in 2024. He's a God of victory. He fought for you and he's fighting for you now. We have no clue, church. We have no clue the victories God will provide for us in 2024, just no clue. Here's the issue. Here's our issue. When I forget how great God is, I become overwhelmed by how great my problems seem. Can I encourage you? Don't forget this year how great God is. When your problems seem to overwhelm you, take a step back, take a deep breath, and go, you know what? I have a mighty God. I have a mighty God who fights for me. He fights my victories. He fights my battles. And not only do I ever have to worry about him being overcome, guess what? He's going to win. He fights your battles for you. You can take peace, you can take heart in that. When there's anxiety comes in, when stress comes in, when doubt comes in, when fatigue comes in, I serve a mighty God. Why? Sometimes those things overwhelm us because we forget how mighty our God is and the problems become the focus instead of how much bigger God is than any of the problems that you will face. Listen, church, we can walk around in this chaos, chaotic world with a whole different posture. We can take on a whole different posture. God's fighting for us. We don't have to worry about it. This way, Paul says it. this amazing passage in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, he reminds us, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to the God, the father, after he, after he, Jesus has destroyed all dominion, authority and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. In other words, what Paul's reminding us is that he is a mighty God. He's a mighty God and he wins. He is the Christor victor in the end of it. He goes on, he says in Isaiah, right? For a child is born, he's given us, this government will be on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And he gives us this last name that leads us to the Prince of Peace and he calls him the Everlasting Father. How do we have peace? Let me give you the third last one. How do we have peace? Because as an everlasting father, Jesus cares for me. As an everlasting father, Jesus cares for me. I don't know if I really understood that whole everlasting father thing until I became a dad, you know, a father to my two kids and two dogs, right? I didn't really quite understand it. Like, like I love, I do. I think my family, hopefully they would agree. Uh, you can ask them after church, but I love to take care of my family. Like I love to see them happy. Like we've been working with our daughter, like who just got married, like making her become an adult. And and when they adult, like there's certain things they're responsible for. Like, shouldn't she pay her own cell phone bill now? Amen. There's a divide in our room. Like the old people are like, yes. The young people are like, no. Should she pay? And I remember telling my wife the other day, I said, hey, can you text Rachel and tell her that she needs to pay her cell phone bill? Because I don't want to be the bad guy. I want to be the the good guy. I want to make my kids happy. I don't think I quite understood this everlasting father things. But here's the reality: my kids are interesting. Because never once do they come to me with some kind of real burden or concern about what's going on in the world. Like we've never, I don't know about you, but we've never been woken up in the middle of night by one of our kids saying, hey, mom and dad, uh, I was just thinking about our electric bill. I can't, I can't imagine that cost. Like, like, I wonder how it's going to get paid. Do you guys know? Like mom, dad, I'm sorry. I left the lights on in the bathroom. Or I've never been woke up in the middle of the night with my kids saying, how can I contribute? My kids don't do that. Maybe yours do, or they did. My kids don't worry about the pantry. They just know it magically shows up. They just know that. They just know that they got a father that takes care of them.
1: My son loves
0: to talk about, he's actually quite, Gifted. Uh, he loves to talk about everything sports. And he knows every player throughout every sport. He knows where they played. You can't stop him. Where they played school and what positions they played at. He, he knows so much about sports that I like look at him sometimes and I'm like, do you know the Bible too this well? Like it concerns me. And as he's talking, hear me, there is never a moment, there's never a time where I want to shut him down. Like I never have ever looked at him and said, you know what, I've got other things to do right now. I've got other things I need to listen to right now. Your stuff doesn't matter. Hear me this morning. As a father, I love to hear what my kids are thinking. Can I, can I, I put this on the screen and if you, I want you to write it down because I think it's important. God is never annoyed or overwhelmed by your issues. God is never annoyed or overwhelmed by your issues. He cares for you. He is an everlasting father. In fact, Psalms reminds us, Psalms 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. When we come to him, with our concerns, when we come with him with our worries, needing peace, you're not bothering him. Guess what? You matter. You really matter. And I think we really need to remind ourselves as we enter into this new year, we need to remind ourselves that we have an everlasting father and that everlasting father cares for you. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up or where you think you fall on the Christian spectrum, your everlasting father cares for you. That's why Jesus said it this way in Matthew six, right? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear, is not life more than food and, and body more than clothes? Great scripture, we all know it. But isn't it wonderful that Jesus didn't leave it there? He added to it. He gave us another example. He said, well, look, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns. They, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? By the way, let me answer the question for you this morning. Are you not more valuable than they? Yes, you are. You're more valuable than they. I love this thought. I wrote down, if if it's a problem for you, guess what? What? it's a priority for God. Isn't that good to serve that kind of everlasting father? If it's a problem for you, it's a priority for God because you're his child. You are not an outsider. You're not an oops. You are a child of God. And as a child of God, he cares for you. He cares for you. And if you still feel uneasy in the room or maybe you still feel like I'm lacking peace, maybe it's that area in your life that needs to be submitted to God so that you can experience the true peace and the true care of God. So where you are experiencing a lack of peace is because you haven't quite submitted that area to the Prince of Peace. Your finances this year, your marriage, your your singleness, your health problems, your aspirations and dreams, whatever it is in your life, when you submit it to the Lord of peace, when you submit it to the, the Sar Shalom, the chief, the general of peace, it's not that your situation will change. It might not even get better but when, but the peace comes into your life because where Jesus goes, peace always follows. Wherever Jesus go, peace always follows. And more than ever, as we walk into the calendar going to switch in just a few hours. As we walk into this next new one, this next day, this new season, boy, more than ever, do we need to know that wherever Jesus goes, peace is going to follow us. Hey, We're all, myself, you, we're all gonna have challenges. They're gonna come at us. Difficulties are gonna come at us. We all know that, it's a given. But how we respond to what comes at us changes everything. And if you and I as a church can step back and say, hey, in the midst of what's to come, in the midst of my chaos, Jesus is with me. And when Jesus is with me, peace always follows. Peace always follows. I just want to ask you right now in this room, like where where would you find yourself this morning? Like, do you do you want to start this new year off right? Do you want to do things differently than you ever have before? Like, do you want to see something wonderful and awesome happen in your life as we go into this new season? Then I think it begins with you and I saying, Hey God, I'm gonna submit my life. I'm gonna submit my desires, I'm gonna submit my concerns, I'm gonna submit my stress to the Lord of peace. I'm gonna submit it to the wonderful, wonderful counselor. I'm gonna submit it to a mighty God and let him fight my battles. I, I am going to submit it to an everlasting father who cares for me more than I could possibly think or imagine his care is that deep. This morning, I believe in this room, all of us, not just one of us or two of us, but all of us need to take a posture and need to take a moment and make a declaration that I'm going to submit my life to the Lord. I'm going to submit everything to him. I'm going to submit the outcome. I'm going to submit the future to the Lord of peace. Knowing, wow, that he will be victorious in the end. God wins. God wins. So would you stand with me this morning then. And as you submit to God, as you stand this morning, as you maybe make that that moment, that time, like can we create a place right where you're standing?
1: You know the areas, I don't know the
0: areas, you know what areas of your life that that potentially you need to submit to God to see peace really come in. But as we take a moment to worship our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, as we take that moment today, will you allow the peace of the Lord, the Prince of Peace, to saturate your heart, to saturate your mind, to saturate your doubts, to saturate your concerns, or maybe even your concern of the unknown of what's to come. But I believe as we submit to the Lord, the peace of God will flood you. And you and I will be able to step into every situation. In the midst of chaos and the unknown, we can step in and we can say, hey, in the midst of it all, God is good. God is faithful. God will fight for me. He will care for me and he will lead me and he will guide me. So, Lord, be with us right now if you take a moment just to worship you. If we take a moment in this room to submit areas of our lives to you, God, Lord, would you forgive us? But, Lord, I pray right now in this room at Christian Life Center, Lord, that there would be passion that would rise up inside of us a passion like we've never had, a, a passion to pursue you like we've never had before, a passion trust you God like we've never trusted you before so that Lord we can walk into a new season with an expectation of God, what God's going to do in, in our personal lives, in our family's lives in our church lives in our community because a group of people made a decision to say "Hey, we want the Lord of peace to reign work on our hearts. Holy Spirit, move in this place. There are people who probably have areas that need to be submitted to you. Whatever that may be, God, we submit it to you right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship. so Lord I pray peace over your people today whatever areas of our lives that we need to experience peace wherever areas of our lives that we will need to experience peace may we not forget that wonderful counselor that mighty God that everlasting Father may that well up inside of us when we face seasons of like where do we go from here? We face seasons of of the unknown or seasons where stress and anxiety and worry want to flood us. But we can step back and say, boy, I'm so thankful that I have a wonderful counselor that guides me, a, a mighty God who fights for me
1: and an everlasting
0: Father who cares for me. May that be our mandate. May that be our mantra as we walk into this new year, that peace Our hope that peace can be the thing that drives us, that sustains us, that keeps us close in relationship with our heavenly Father. So, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, as we close out, I just want to give you this opportunity. I want to give you this invitation. If you're here this morning and you just say, "You know, Pastor, I need peace in my life. Uh, There's areas of my life that I need to submit to the Lord, or ultimately, I just need to submit my whole life to God." and I find myself at a place of needing that wonderful counselor, that, that mighty God, that, that everlasting Father. And I just need to come back to him. Man, if you're here today and our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in, but, but that's you. You're in that place. I want to pray for you. Again, we, we, we don't want to embarrass you. It's right there where you are. God can meet you in your seat. But I want to pray for you. And if that's you this morning, right where you're sitting, would you put your hand up? I just want to know who I'm praying for. Anybody in the room? Thank you. See hands. Come on. Love it. Hands everywhere. Come on. You're not alone. God's with us all. So Lord, I pray right now for those who raise their hands today. Saying I need peace to flood my life. I need to submit my life to the Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would be overcome with you. And that right there where we're sitting, submission simply begins by right there where I'm standing. Wherever you are, to say to the Lord, God, come into my life. Consume me. I want to walk in peace. I want to walk in victory. Lord, would you come and be my wonderful counselor? Would you be my mighty God? Would you be my everlasting Father? I want to live my life for you, Lord. Consume me. Bring peace where there's no peace. And so, Lord, I pray for those who raise their hand today. Lord, may we just make it our simple prayer. God, forgive me. Come into my life. I submit to you. It's that simple. I submit to you. Help me to follow you the rest of my days. Help me to follow you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And may peace be real. In Jesus' name. So Lord, I pray peace upon your people. I pray your blessings. May your face shine upon us as we walk into a whole new season, a whole new year. May joy follow with us. May there be an expectation as a church uh, of what you're going to accomplish and what you're going to do in us individually in us corporately. May we have an expectation that God is going to do amazing things in 2024. And so Lord, we look forward to it. In the midst of a chaotic world, we in this room, Peace because we serve the Sar Shalom, the chief, the general, the ruler of peace. We love you and we honor you today, Lord. Be with us over we celebrate this holiday, Lord, and, and Lord, we stand in expectation of what you're going to do in Jesus' powerful name. Everybody say, Amen, amen. Hey, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time to be here. Yeah, come on, let's give it up for the Lord. Life Center weekly podcast, visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com.